When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So many episodes, 1638, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host, Georgia Lee Hussey, founder of Modernist Financial. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. It's March 1st. We have made it to the end of Q1 or the last month of Q1. If you're business minded like me, I look at the year in sort of four segments, and that's how I you know, pace myself because it's very easy to get bogged down in the day to day. But if you think about your year as four chunks, I don't know, it works for me. And of course, March is Women's History Month. And on this podcast, I have a lot of great episodes just waiting to be heard. Women who inspire me, Giovanna Gonzalez, who has a new financial book for women, specifically Latinas. We're going to talk about career advice and how to negotiate with Eliana Goldstein. We've got the founder of the 5-Minute Bookkeeper because we know as we approach tax season and as we look ahead to just simplifying our financial lives in our careers, in our businesses, I have a guest who's going to talk about what she's invented to support overwhelmed entrepreneurs, the 5-Minute Bookkeeper. We have the founder of M.M. LaFleur, the clothing company, Sarah LaFleur. That was actually a live podcast that I recorded in New York City at an M.M. LaFleur store on the Upper West Side. Super fun. And we'll talk to Amy Schoenthal in March, who's the author of a new book called The Setback Cycle, How Defining Moments can move us forward. If you're not subscribed yet to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button. That's the best way to ensure you never miss a fresh episode. This is a special episode too. We have a co-host today, my friend Georgia Lee Hussey, who is a financial expert and founder of Modernist Financial. We're going to talk about custodial brokerage accounts. We're going to talk about index funds versus target date funds. 
health savings accounts, why she calls them better than Roth IRAs. I was today years old when I discovered that there is an investment vehicle potentially better than the Roth IRA. Ahead of that, let's talk a little bit about what you might have missed on the podcast this week. On Monday, we sat down with Hannah Cole, who is a tax strategist and founder of Sunlight Tax, and she gave us the inside scoop of how the IRS operates. I've always wondered, you know, what are the auditing red flags? How can we prevent an audit? Not because we're hiding anything important from the IRS. We just want to fly under the radar. We know audits take time. They're annoying. They're scary. And she offered some really important things to consider as we're filing to do just that, stay under the radar and potentially avoid an audit. She also discussed how with April 15th being the tax filing deadline, that also means it's the deadline, good reminder, to invest in your IRA for the 2023 tax year. You know, we'd get until the tax filing deadline to maximize our IRAs for that year. So you get until April 15th. If you decide to skip this $6,500 investment or you're like, oh, I'll just do it later after the deadline. Hannah has some very compelling math. She calculates that this one skipped year is going to mean $130,000 worth of lost investments in the future. How she gets to that number, you'll have to listen to the episode. But let me tell you, I'm maxing out my IRA this year. You can be sure of that. And then on Wednesday, we sat down with serial entrepreneur Stephanie Carton, who is the co-founder of Entreprenista. And as you may already know, since you listen to this podcast or you follow me in all the ways, I'm partnering with Stephanie later this May. I'm going to be heading to the Entreprenista Founders Weekend in Orlando, where I'll be talking about personal finance and networking, making friends, new friends, women founders, women business leaders. Want to join? You can go to entrepreneurista.com slash founders weekend. Use the code Farnoosh150 for $150 off your ticket. Let's head to the mailbag and pick our reviewer of the week. This person will get a free 15 minute money session with me. Ver Axi left a review, titling the review, seeing myself in and my financial future. I've listened to Farnoosh for several years now and have appreciated her sharing her financial experience and wisdom rooted in realistic perspectives. As a child of refugees and immigrants, it's so important to hear from someone with similar stories and backgrounds. Now as an adult and professional, I feel I'm able to leverage this knowledge to create wealth for myself and my family's future which is a big deal coming from a low-income background. Grateful to so money as a great resource to achieve my goals. Ver Axi, V-A-R-A-X-Y. If you're listening and you recognize that pen name, that pseudonym, get in touch. I'd love to offer you a free 15-minute phone call where we can talk about your financial goals, your career goals, whatever you want. It's your time to hang out with me. Just get in touch. You can email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And or you can direct message me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Let me know you left this review and I'll follow up with a link where you can pick a time for us to have a call. All right, let's head to the mailbag and bring on our special guest this week. It's Georgia Lee Hussey, founder of Modernist Financial. Hey, Georgia. Always nice to have you here. 
Oh, thank you. It's always such a pleasure. I love fielding the fabulous questions from your community. Yeah, we've got questions today about opening up a custodial account for a nephew. Lots of lovely people in the audience. We want to also learn a little bit of the nuanced differences between and also when to open, let's say, a CD versus a high-yield savings account. I'm getting this question a lot. I don't know what's in the site, guys. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I think just rates are good and people kind of want to know, you know, where's the best place to optimize their savings. And then um, target date funds. It's going to be a little bit of a refresher. Farnoosh, ask Farnoosh as um, we need that sometimes. And you brought up the great idea of talking about our money in the context of the election. And I know a lot of your clients and the conversations you're having with clients is a, around gifts and donations and contributing to causes as we are in a very important year politically. First, let's start with our friend in the audience who wants to open a custodial account for her nephew. And the plan is to contribute to every birthday and the holidays rather than buying random toys. Gotta love that. Yay. And there are other relatives that are interested in funding this account. Her question is, can these other relatives make contributions to the custodial account that she has opened and how, how do they actually do that? I know with like 529 plans, uh, a lot of the plan providers will create external links. People can contribute. Is that also true with a custodial account? Which, by the way, a custodial account, let's explain, right? That's essentially a brokerage account that you're opening on behalf of a minor that, you know, the parent or in this case, the aunt is contributing. They designate the beneficiary as that minor. When the minor reaches, depending on the state, I think it's like 16, 18, then the custodial account becomes theirs and they can manage it entirely. So great way to invest for your loved one's future, I suppose, but the caveat being that it is going to be all theirs when they're not even able to vote yet in some cases. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where I wanted to start with this question because we basically never recommend custodial accounts for our clients because of the question of the asset becoming the child's at 18 or 21. And if we've had we've seen people come into modernist with accounts for custodial accounts that are pretty significant. And I'm personally would not want to have been handed 50 or $60,000 at 18 years old um, or $10,000. It's um, I think if this beautiful intention of this reader is to care for this future, this child's future self, um, I would highly recommend actually a 529. You can transfer custodial assets into a 529. And especially with the wonderful changes that the Biden administration put through for the 529, with being able to roll over unused 529 assets into a Roth, there's really no reason to have a custodial account in my mind anymore because you can take contributions out of a Roth IRA and it grows tax free forever. Yeah, ever, forever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing a financial planner loves more than that. So I would, to your point also about the links on a 529, I would just, if I were giving advice to this person, I would say move it to a 529. You own it. The child is the beneficiary of it. You can use it for college. You cannot use it for college and just pay the gains on the growth. 
fine. Which is what you would um, do with the custodial anyway. You're paying exactly. those capital gains. So what well, is there any benefit to opening up a custodial account? I, I mean, there's like flexibility. Them. You just don't like them. Okay. I just don't like them. I don't, I, I don't know why one would do this. Um, I think you could also, if you really want to grow assets for a child, you could also have a separate account that is still in your name that you just earmark for that child and you yeah. still own it and have control over it. But I don't know why we would let go of the incredible tax benefits of a 529 in lieu of a custodial account. I think there's a lot of misinformation about 529s and people are scared of them. Like they have to be used for college or there's a huge penalty. I mean, there can be a small penalty if you pull it out early, et cetera. But there's so many fabulous rules around the 529 to make them flexible. And this Roth rollover, y'all, if yes. you have 35 talk about that. Yeah. 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 So you so, can roll over 35K of an unused 529 to a child. Um, you have to do it over time, but we did the numbers on that. And if you did that 35,000 at around age 21 and it grew, I think we had an 8% number and it grew until they were 65, it would be worth $700,000 at 65. That is a gift. So that is about 35,000 rolled over. That's the limit. Mm-hmm. That money invested Growing tax free <laughs> for the rest for the next till they're 65 years old. That is a ginormous amount of money. So I would just never put that aside because compound growth on a tax free account for 45 years is it just, it's just so much money. <laughs> and so. are you contributing are you with that math? Are you contributing every year the max to the Roth in addition to that 35 That's just order? that 35 grand. Compound interest my friends. Oh my what God. Einstein said, he who understands it earns it, he who doesn't understand it pays it. Oh my God. Uh, he called the it the eighth wonder of the wonder world. world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So our friend in the audience, I guess uh I love that we gave her something she wasn't expecting. Yes. <laughs> we, we took a little bit of a U-turn with that question. All right. Out of curiosity, moving on, when does it make sense to open a CD versus a high-yield savings mm. account? Mm. I know that the biggest difference is probably the liquidity issue. The rates are pretty competitive. I've seen with CDs as high as 5.5% right now. And right. even high-yield savings accounts, in some cases, depending on maybe the minimum deposit requirements, it could get that high. Yep. So... Um, when do you recommend CDs over high yield savings? Sure. I would like, again, backing up a little bit. I think this is this question is a wonderful question in relationship to the financial noise I'm hearing in the media right now. There are both ways in which we're being advertised to and the sort of excitement of actually having a healthy interest rate environment for the first time in basically 20 years. So all great. I think people are remembering like, oh, interest rates are high, which is not great for my mortgage, but it's great for my savings account. Right. So we're, we're, we're remembering the complexity of um, the benefits and the costs of interest rates. What I think I hear this question most often in relationship to is I got an ad from my credit union and there's a CD paying X or there's a teaser rate or there's a yada yada. And I think what you need, we need to do as consumers is go back to your first point, liquidity. All investment decisions come from a liquidity question. When do I need the money? time horizon. This is like, this is a basic core concept of investing. So if you don't need the money, I'll put myself in your situation. If I don't need the money for three years and I'm going to bet 
that this is the highest interest rates are going to be. And I can lock in my CD at five and a quarter. And I know I don't need the money. I do not need the money. That is a hard thing for most people to say about cash. But if you can say that, and let's say my modernist offers a uh, high yield savings account, we don't get paid on it, but we offer it out to clients and friends of the firm that pays 5%. So I'm saying I'm going to make 25 basis points, 25.25% in order to lock my money away for three years. I personally would not do that. I'm not making enough money to reduce on that on that lock in order to reduce my liquidity. I would rather make 5% on an online savings account and be able to pull my money out and move it around as much as I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is me thinking as a as a business owner, right? Liquidity, cash is queen, sure. we like to say. Right, right. Um, and you got to take care of her. So I want to get the best interest rate I can, but I want her to also be free to move around as she needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I generally, these CDs, uh, maybe... I expect high yield savings accounts rates to go down as interest rates go down and the Fed adjusts them and everybody stops saying the R word all the time. So I, that is recession. So I think that's going to shift. So, you know, if you really do like, let's say you're putting money on a down payment in three years and you're like, I really don't need this money. And you feel like you can lock it at five and a quarter, then I would probably do it. In that instance, that would make sense to me um, because I do think my high yield savings account is going to be 4% by next year. Yes. Yes. That's, that's where it's trending. So in summary, uh, liquidity trumps the interest rate in many cases, because the way that life works is such that it's unpredictable and cash is queen, um, having access to that. Because of course you, what happens is you get this CD and you only get that rate if you keep the money in there for the minimum for the term, whether it's 12 months, three years, whatever it, it is. In the Great Recession of 2008, 2009, and I, I was seeing uh, this creative product. I don't know if they're really out there anymore. They're called Flex CDs. Oh. And what they would say is, okay, we're offering this rate. It's a six-month term. If you have to pull out sooner, there's no penalty, mm. but we have the ability to also reduce the rate. It was basically yes. a high yield savings account. It um, is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With some complexity to entice us. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Let's actually read the, read the fine print. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I, I appreciate that answer. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You want to know what's worse than shopping for jeans? Shopping for bras. It's never been fun for me until Third Love came into my life. Third Love was launched to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. They make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen probably since high school and have straps that actually stay put. Third Love's bras are designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and they're made from premium materials. They put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before they're given the stamp of approval. And whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room can help find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups, so long feeling stuck between two cup sizes that just don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. That's thirdlove.com to get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. All right. Let's talk about... Can I say one more thing about this? Of course. So the other thing I want to point to is actually how the banking system works. What is happening right now is that banks, small and large, are offering competitive savings accounts and CD rates to entice people to move their money between banks. And the second thing I would think about in this question is... Can I keep... Can I get a good return and keep my money at a midsize or local bank? Because there is a real risk of moving all of our money to larger banks in order to get a little bit of yield for us, but actually undermining the the banking ecosystem in our own area. So I would just be conscious of that um, as a trend right now. And so if you're, again, if I were going to lose a quarter of a, ba- of, a, of a point, but I can keep my money local, I would keep my money local because that actually allows that small bank to lend out for mortgages and car loans and business yeah. loans at nine times what you're keeping in your savings account. So if you have a hundred thousand, you they can loan out nine hundred thousand. Um so that's just a thing to think about as a citizen of the banking world. Yeah. Yeah. I I you know I've done episodes on the whole like don't go bananas over high yield savings. Yes. Like it's a game. Look, it's a marketing tactic. It's window dressing. You you got to make sure that the bank has the whole package, right? Yes. That yes, there's this interesting, sexy high yield, but maybe you know, it's not a great place to do other sort of banking operations, which is fine. I mean, who cares? But it it is important. You know, you want to make sure you're banking with a good institution that is taking care of you and I love, yeah, I mean, credit unions, mid-sized banks, these are all so important to the ecosystem. That's what I like having you back here for. You bring the consciousness back to personal finance, you know, and you Thank make, you. you put it in context of like actually, you know, the bigger picture and how yeah, the world, important. and the circle of life. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, target date funds. Mm. People are obsessed with target date funds because they're so easy. And I know investing mm-hmm. can be really... Mm-hmm complex and we don't have time and we just want to feel like we're opting into something that is going to take care of me. Mm. But of course, um, relative to index funds, um, Mm. what's your take on target dates? I know these are popular within 401ks and, um, 
But so, I, I still like an index fund over. I do over too. Everything. And I think that let, I would like again to back up because yeah. actually these two things are often the same thing. Usually a target date fund that has a decent expense ratio, and I would say under 0.3% is composed of index funds. So really, hmm. I just want to say everything that we buy as investors is something we own or something we loan. Things that we own, real estate, stock. It's growth oriented. It's not really about the income. It's about the risk we're taking to far surpass inflation as our growth rate. Then there's things we loan. Those are bonds or also known as fixed income. That's really just a loan to another entity like the federal government and they pay us some interest and then they give us our money back later. Yeah. Index funds, target date funds, venture capital, mutual funds, et cetera. These are all just different marketing wrapping, product wrapping around the same concepts. What do we own and what do we loan? So I just want to say that a target date fund is a fabulous thing because it sets your asset allocation for you. How many, how much do I own in stock and bonds? How much do I own in things I own and how much I loan? And so I love a target date fund. If it has a low, if it has an internal expense ratio of under 0.3%, mm-hmm. then it's almost entirely based on index funds. I will bet, I will take a gamble on, and say, and the great thing is you don't have to think about it. And the, you know the, what the worst thing is? An investor who is meddling with their investments. So if a target date fund can just set it and forget it, do that. We often recommend that for our pro bono clients or for um, folks who have an outside account like 401k. It's the easiest thing um, and the cheapest thing and will keep you from um, making a mistake. (laughs) The index fund, when does that, I mean, I feel like, I mean, to your point, if a target day fund is essentially kind of like an index fund. If you imagine the pie chart that we see all the time of like, I own 80% stock and 20% bonds, the target date fund is that. And it's usually 20% bonds and an index fund and 80% stock and a variety of index funds, US, international, emerging markets and real estate usually. So which one offers more diversity? Like, I guess it's depends, right? If you get the, the, the index fund that tracks the stock market, but that's all stocks. Yeah, but that's a... So I think index funds, let's think about them again as a different way to package stock yeah. mm-hmm. or bonds. An index fund can hold anything. Right. It is just tracking an index that is external. So the S&P 500 is only 500 stocks. The Russell 3000 is all 3000 stocks on the US market for example. Mm-hmm. So I want to buy an index fund that's the Russell 3000, not the S&P 500, because I don't, I just want diversification. Own as much of the market as I possibly can mm-hmm. own. Otherwise I'm gambling that the S&P 500 is going to do better than the overall market, which I don't actually think there's much to support that concept. So the target date fund allows you to buy across the whole market as inexpensively as you can possibly find one. Now, I look at 401k sometimes. I'm like, oh, that target date fund has a 0.9% internal expense ratio. Oh, they have loaded that thing up with a bunch of expensive crap. So (laughs) in that instance, I will look at their... the outside investment investment options and put together a allocation that is again 80% stock, 20% bonds, 40% of it in US, et cetera. I'll go down my uh, model allocation and build it for them. But I tend to prefer hope they have a good target date fund that's cheap um, mm-hmm. that will do that. And then I'm just looking for the target date that it has the same asset allocation I want. So again, if I want 80% stock, 20% bonds, it might be a 2060 fund that matches that. And that's just like, buy it, forget it, buy into it over time. You'll be fine. 
All right. Thank you for that clarifying. Yeah. Um, and the 80, 20, everybody is just a general breakdown of, I guess, you know, ish, ish, you know, I guess if you're like 65, it wouldn't be an 80, 20. You want to make sure it's a little bit more conservative there. Like a little more. Yeah. 50. But or, for those of like my, I'm a hundred percent in stock because I'm wow. like, I retire for 20 years. Cause I'm like, what I, I'm taking no risk if I don't need the money for 20 years right. in my mind. So I just buy all stock. Cause I'm like, that's just, just grow, grow, little team, grow. All right. We have one more question from the audience. And then I want to talk about politics just a yes, little bit, please. just a little bit, My favorite. Not, to get, not to get too sidesy, but just, you know, in terms of whatever you support this year, like how to put your money where your politics are. Yeah. Um, but Diana has a question about health savings accounts, which I don't mm. often talk about on this episode, but he, so here and we go. I love them. I love I love an HSA. She says her company just added an HSA account as one of their medical benefits options. She's 31 years old, getting married soon. She calls herself pretty healthy, uh, goes to the doctor maybe once a year for like a cold, knock on wood. Um, her job is going to contribute $1,000 annually to this HSA for just being enrolled in it. It's like a nice freebie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not very familiar with HSAs, she says, but that $1,000 sounds pretty enticing. Her premium um, will be $25 um, semi-bi-weekly. What is that? Like right. every other week? Semi-bi-weekly. I've never heard of that. Oh, maybe Me she either. just means like... I think it's when her payroll runs. Okay. So like basically 50 bucks a month, something like that. And then the deductible is up to $4,000 out of pocket. After meeting the deductible, I wouldn't have to pay a copay. Oh, I wouldn't have to pay a copay. So here's the question. She's not familiar with HSAs. So she's not even sure if it's worth investing in it because of this relatively high deductible. Is that typical for HSAs? And what are our thoughts on this? Yeah. So HSAs are the new shiny thing in financial planning. For those of us who are really nerdy, we love an HSA. HSAs have two styles, cash HSAs and HSAs you can invest. Cash HSAs are um, great for somebody who knows that they want to um, fund money for medical. They may not know when they need it. Um, generally, an HSA rolls over year to year. So the, the balance is an account and it's a balance that grows. So if you add $1,000 a month and you both put in $1,000, you put in $2,000 a year, it grows over years. You're going to have, you know, after a period of time, eight, 10, 20, whatever your, your dollars are. And then you can pull it out when you need to pay for medical expenses. Um, that's an HSA, not an FSA. We're not talking about FSAs. Yeah. We're talking about HSAs, health savings accounts. And they're, they're always connected. This is in large part related to the um, Obamacare, Affordable Care Act saying, if you don't need a lot of care, likely have an HSA account, an HSA plan, your deductible's higher, but you're unlikely to need it. And we're going to give you this little account to save some money just in case you do need some care. So they're wonderful. As a financial planner and as a wealth manager, we love an HSA. We love to max them out. If you're a client who that kind of health plan is supportive for you, max it out and invest it because it is a triple winner. It goes in pre-tax, it grows tax-free, and you take it out tax-free. There is nothing. It is better than a Roth. Who thought I would Ooh, ever say that? What is better than a Roth? I know. The nerds unite around the HSA. Oh, God. <laughs> my brain is breaking. I know. But you have to have an HSA that is, you can invest it. 
So usually there's like a cash HSA account and a brokerage account connected to it. It's nerdy and wonky. It's a little cumbersome. But um, for the clients who, again, don't need a lot of their, they don't need their health insurance to do a ton for them on the day to day, then it is a fabulous idea. And it is a big part of their financial plan. So there's your answer. I love that. That's going to go, I'm going to put that on social and we're going to go viral with, it's going to, I'm going to title it. This investment is actually better than the Roth IRA. <laughs> there's going to be like, it's going to break, and break fireworks. Yeah. My TikTok influencer career is going to start after that clip runs. Um, <laughs> okay. We have a little bit of time left. I really want to talk about the election year and how you're hosting conversations with your clients around this and, and specifically how they can maybe smartly invest their money, invest in air quotes, you know, put their money towards their causes they care about. Yeah. So as listeners may remember, uh, Modernist is a B Corp firm and we focus on helping people with significant wealth decide how to make decisions and structures that support their progressive values. So we are always thinking about the politics, but more importantly, the social impact of the decisions we're making. That's investing, that's banking, that's all the things. Um, But it's also how we're generous. And a lot of our clients are in a position where, honestly, they're not that concerned about the tax benefits of their, their donations. Either they can't itemize, So they don't get a benefit, which is true for any of us. If you don't itemize, then the deductibility of your charitable contribution doesn't really matter. Um, But more importantly, they're really concerned about impact. And so we've been talking a lot about the difference between donating to 501c3s in which you get a tax deduction or it's potentially a tax deductible contribution or a 501c4 which is often a structure attached to a 501c3. But the difference is you don't get a deduction for the 501c4. So why would I do that? The answer is the 501c4 can lobby. Mm. And the most prevalent examples of 501c4s, I would say, are the NRA. Mm. One of the reasons they're as powerful as they are is they have the capacity to use that money to lobby for their intended purpose. Now, um, I want to say that we can do the same thing with progressive politics. So let's say you're really concerned about reproductive rights. You understand there's economic impacts of women or people not being able to control their bodies and decide when they want to have children or not. So you want to support and protect the economy in that question. So you can give to a Planned Parenthood, for example, get a donation. You can also give to an organization that is lobbying specifically for reproductive rights as a 501c4. Mm. So this is really the question. Which do you want to impact and do you need the deduction? So again, backing up, start with, do you need the deduction? Secondly, how much can you give? Three, what is the impact that you want to have? Um, And I think it's just an interesting question that especially in an election year, if you want to be able to lobby, if you want to support candidates, um, this is the the space to consider your donations. I learned it today. I was today years old when I learned about 501c4s. <laughs> they're sexy, I think. Um, and they're really, it's about supporting candidates and policy that will yeah. drive the, you often, the policy changes that the 501c3 is already working on on a direct right. basis. Yeah. We know lobbying is so powerful in this country. Mm -hmm. 
Georgia and candidates are supported are helpful, right? So the 501c4 can also support candidates. So for example, in this year, I usually, my own giving personally, this is not the firm. If you want to check out the firm's generosity plan, we have a page on our website where we really lay out exactly how we give our money away. Um, but for me personally, I give to lawyers and journalists. I want you know, people to be able to sue the out of the proud boys. And I want them, I want somebody to write about the proud boys. That's, these are my fears. And this is what I want to support in a democracy. But in an election year, I also give a lot of money to local candidates who are, because local politics are very powerful for setting. You know what I would add to that? Local journalism. Yes. Oh, I'm, oh my gosh. We got to get local news back. Real local journalism. Exactly. This is why I support ProPublica. This is, Mm -hmm. and they're also 501c4s that lobby for Mm -hmm. journalism. So go out and do good friends. Give your money. (laughs) We can make an impact. Thank you so much, Georgia. This has been a really special Ask Farnoosh. Always come back anytime. I love it. Thank you for having me. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.